It is now 934. Joining us now is our good friend, Ms. Barb Lampson. Just getting out of your garden, aren't you? Yes, yes, I was out. I was uh, doing a little deadheading and, and watering. Unfortunately, you know, things that are in pots have to be watered every single day, even though we had those five plus inches of rain. Well, we got eight over eight inches at, at my house, and luckily no wet basements. I know some people did get wet basements, but boy, did that ever make things uh, perk up so much. And also the weeds, and you know what, also brought out a lot more Japanese beetles. Yes, you know what, <laughs> my uh, rain gauge only goes up uh, to five inches. Well, mine goes so, to eight, and it was overflowing, so that's why I can say more than eight. Right, right. Yeah. So I think we had more than that, because when I was looking around in containers that were sitting out, they had more than five inches in them, okay. but that, of course, is unscientific. But, gee, you know what I wanted to mention was, uh, when we went up to Good Council to our vegetable garden up there, uh, the onions, the soil had kind of washed away, and they were just sitting on top of the soil. Now, you have to, uh, when the soil is heavy and it's wet, um, you you better get them out because they will start rotting. So we just simply, all we had to do was to lift them up. They had just, they were ready to go and brought them home. And what you do is you take off the tops, you leave about, oh, I would say at least um, to start out with, leave three or four inches of a top on there. And the the rest of the tops put into your raspberry patch because um, onions are one of the things that uh, that the uh, Japanese beetle doesn't like. And so I, I'm hoping that even though there's very few raspberries left on, it'll be good for them. So I did that. I put these uh, onions on several layers of newspaper in my um, three-season porch and um, and now I'll let them dry out for, you know, 10 to 12 days, and, and then that they can go into storage. But the other thing that I did was my potatoes were mostly, the tops were mostly dead, and so I dug those as well. And I had this new variety this year. It's called Rune, R-H-U-N-E, Rune, and I think there's a number after that, too. Mm. There are red potato. Boy, are they gorgeous. I am going to raise them again. We brought home a half a bushel of potatoes, and we just had eight hills. Oh, so, wow. That's pretty good. You know, in the past, I've tried to grow potatoes out at the lake place, and I get that scab, and they oh, say yeah. a lot of times that's when you have real alkaline soil, that that could be part of the problem because they need a lower uh, pH. pH, yeah. right. So, I, you yeah. know, I don't know if you've ever had that problem, but I've given up on potatoes for myself just because the, the scab keeps coming on. Yeah, that that isn't the problem for me. But oh. um, the ones, the um, um, the yellow, um, what are they? The the ones that have the yellow um, texture inside. Yukon uh, golds. Yukon gold. Yeah, okay. I love those. They, I, I that's my favorite uh, mashed potato. Yes. And and they, they they don't get big. They they stay rather small and. Uh, the production isn't that great, so you know different potatoes. Um, they just they just take different. Uh, they have different needs, and the other thing is, where we have the potatoes this year, is where we've been growing garlic. So 
Hmm. <laughs> I, you know, garlic is beneficial to your health. Maybe it's beneficial to the garden health, too. And, and boy, these, these potatoes are really good. And they have such beautiful blooms on them, too. And people would stop when I was up there, and they would say, you know, I've never seen potatoes with such big blooms on them. But that must be an indicator of the size of the potato, too. Really, really nice. Where did you get this variety? Because I've never, I've never I, seen them before. I, I bought them at Drummer's. Oh, really? Okay, that's a new one then that they haven't had in the past because I've never seen that there before. Right, right. I had never seen it there before either. I've never read about it or anything, but it, it's a wonderful, wonderful potato. So, so brought my potatoes home, and you don't wash them. They were dirty, but you, you're not supposed to wash them because that uh, skin on the outside is papery thin, and also found a place for them in the uh, three-season porch, put down paper, and then this one, you have to cover up so that the light, they're not exposed to light, because if they're exposed to light, even at this point uh, when they're curing, they will turn green. So, and then um, uh, I covered them with, with, with another covering, and so there's good air circulation around them on all sides and on the bottom, because I have them on benches that have slats in them that aren't solid, and um, I'll leave them out there, you know, like two weeks, and then they'll go into storage, too. So, you know, uh, the rain was a blessing, but it did speed things up. I usually don't dig potatoes this early, or onions either. It's usually later on in August, but uh, the time was right. So so that was great. And, uh, and then I thought, you know, everything is growing like crazy. I hope people are remembering that. If they have an abundance of produce coming on their garden, be sure to continue to pick because if you don't, if you leave it on the vine, you're not going to be getting new produce coming on. So be sure and pick it. Share it with your neighbors or friends or go to the food shelf. They are accepting things. So um, just make use of that. Barb, um, I wanted to bring up something that has been in the news a lot lately, and that is people getting random seeds sent to them in the mail. Now, I have not received any yet. Have you? No. No, I haven't, Karen. No. Well, I wanted to mention that because um, a lot of people, and I've seen it on Facebook locally and, and all basically all over the nation have, including my old roommate who lives up in the, the Twin Cities area, and she got this packet of seeds in the mail, and she, she had ordered a bunch, and so she thought, huh, I guess I forgot about these that I ordered. You know how, if, like us gardeners, you order a lot of stuff and you kind of yeah, like, oh, I yeah. forgot I'd ordered this. Well, so she right. actually planted them, and and then it was about a week later. So she planted them like a week before she got them, which was recently. And so they had sprouted and everything. And then all of a sudden, she saw all this in the news about these these uh, seeds being allegedly sent from from China. And so she was kind of panicking. She says they look like dandelion seeds, but... Um, and you know the, the thing is, you don't know what kind of seeds they are. So what you're supposed right. to do, destroy any plants if you did plant them, which she had to do. The, she called the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and you're also supposed to report it at a, a place. If you get it, do not throw. Uh, if you haven't planted them, do not throw away the contents uh, or the package. Do not plant the seeds. You're supposed to contact arrest the pest line. And there you can go to the Arrest the Pest online and, and provide your name, contact information, the date the package was received, because they want to figure out, you know, this could be an invasive species. Uh, it could be a, a, some sort of a scam. They're not really sure. But um, the Minnesota Department of 
Agriculture is working with the United States Department of Ag smuggling interdiction and trade compliance program on identification and destruction of these seeds. So just FYI, if you've received them, uh, contact Arrest the Pest, FYI. It's, uh, <clears throat> we are living in strange times. We are. <laughs> we have to be um, vigilant, especially um, we're so dependent on our agriculture. Right. Um, and we wouldn't want some kind of an invasive species coming in and something that the herbicides we have would not arrest, that would not uh, uh, wipe out. And the other thing is, it could be a species that if our pollinators or our good insects, uh, our beetles, our good beetles, if they ate them, they would die. I mean, you could draw, uh, throw off the whole uh, ecological balance between, uh, like, for example, our honeybees. They are worth, the, they pollinate 13 billion dollars worth of agriculture in the United States. I mean, think of that. 13 billion dollars worth of agriculture is dependent on our bees. We have to do everything we can to protect them. They are so important to us. And so, yeah, I, you know, uh, you want to be just really vigilant when it comes to um, anything that comes through the mail nowadays that's you, unsolicited. One of the other things I wanted to mention, too, I, I didn't get to, but there was a note from the Master Gardener organization about if you did plant these, you're you're also po- supposed to, if you planted the plants, not just the plants, you're supposed to dig up the soil around it so you ensure containment and place those bags in the trash, double bag them. Um, yeah, and if yeah. you planted them in the pots, they recommend you put <coughs> all the soil and plants into plastic trash bags, dispose of them in the trash. And if you planted the seeds into the ground, then pull up the seedlings, double bag them. So uh, basically it says do not compost the seeds, plants, or associated soil. So they're pretty serious about this because they don't know. And maybe it's randomly some innocent seeds. Who knows? But because they don't know, that's why they're being so cautious. Yeah, yeah. And this whole idea of, uh, you know, seeds germinate at different times. Oh, right. So, uh, and if you and if they're deeper in the soil, they can come up in in in, in a year or two. Or some and seeds uh, ten years later. You know, there's people that have sure. said, "Well, you know, I thought I got rid of all this, and all of a sudden, you know, yep, might have yep. worked it up when you dug in the soil or something." Right. That's right. So, yeah, and and it may have been such a thing. Have you ever been? Uh, uh, I notice this when I seed radishes, and if I've got on gloves. And, you, and you're putting the seeds in carefully one by one, but you, it seems like um, you don't. You're not going directly. Sometimes it'll, a seed will splat to the side. Oh you know? yes, yeah. And if it's big enough, you can see it. But if it's if this is fine seed that you're dealing with, boy, that's that's really that's a difficult thing. I would mark that row and make sure that I know exactly where that row is at, and um, I would be very watchful of that role in the future, and I wouldn't put anything else in there either. Uh, who knows, you know? It's, it's best to be careful with something like this. One other thing I wanted to bring up, too, do you know late summer is also the season of Master Gardener volunteer recruitment, so I wanted to mention that you and I have been Master Gardeners. I've only been one since 2016, and you have been one since? Um, in <laughs> 1984, I think it is. It's 38 years now. Wow. Well, so they are recruiting, um, recruit your friends, your neighbors, community members to become master gardeners to increase your gardening knowledge and make a difference in your communities. A lot of people say, well, I don't know anything about gardening. Well, that's the point. You become 
um, right. knowledgeable because they, they it's a series of classes and working with others. Um, and the recruitment time starts uh, August through October 1st. So want to let people know if they are interested, they can talk to me or talk to Barb. And then right. the deadline for the recruitment is October 1st at midnight. There's an application. You can do it online. And then in November, there's a... Um, the, there's a deadline for the leaders to confirm interns um, because you become an intern at some point when you want to become a master gardener. And then there's classes that start. And in the past, we were able to go up to the Arboretum to the classes. I have a feeling they're all going to be online because when we did it, you could do them online or both. So right. just FYI, but that deadline is coming up. So we're recruiting. If you're interested, you don't have to know a lot about gardening. But that's the whole point is that you learn. Yeah, and bring your enthusiasm with you. That's the main and, thing. And um, it will uh, open up avenues that you never knew before. I never knew I could be so interested in the <laughs> pollinators and uh, soil sciences. I always thought it was just about these flowers I was growing and keeping them healthy. But uh, I finally understand it's the whole system. It's not just a, a segment of, of, of the system that you work with. It's the entire system. So, Although I think when we all started out, we all had our special interest areas, you know, and, and I think that as I've been more involved, you get more broad, broad in your horizon, so to speak. Yeah, so yeah. maybe you start with just vegetable gardening, and then maybe you end up, like I did, to water, you know, pond gardening, and you just never know where it'll right, lead you. Right. Well, you know, actually, 38 years ago when I started, we really didn't have that kind of emphasis on uh, saving water or protecting oh. our fresh water. And, and we didn't have that kind of emphasis on the bees, the pollinators, and, and growing the right things. As a matter of fact, uh, people used uh, herbicides and uh, fungicides and, and everything at that time. But growing up on a farm um, and with my Swedish grandmother, we never used chemicals. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we certainly didn't have the kind of farming that they have now that's so dependent on... I mean, we had lots of... Uh, we had alfalfa, we had oats, we had things um, that weren't so dependent on um, mm -hmm. high inputs of uh, chemicals. And so we didn't see chemicals around our farm at all. And, uh, and, and that impressed upon me. And my grandmother, too. She just, I mean, coming from Sweden, uh, there was a home remedy for everything that went wrong in your garden. There was, I mean, if, from using uh, uh, ground-up tobacco to uh, uh, soapy water. She used soapy water for so many things. And that was certainly about your health, too. Washing hands and being clean isn't anything new. Um, in our family, boy, that was next, you know, cleanliness was next to godliness. <laughs> and so that was just, just something that you always did. But, you know, I, I have something in my garden, which I think is pretty amazing. And, and being a gardener and gardener sharing, uh, a friend shared uh, a bush that they had in their yard. And it's a fruit bush, and we've talked about this before. And um, he said it was a, um, a gooseberry. But it came from Germany, and um, uh, he, he didn't know the name of it. So I was telling my daughter, who lived in Germany for 24 years, that I had picked the uh, berries from this wonderful gooseberry, and how they're this dark red 
plum color bordering on blue, much like a, a red grape would be, but smaller than that. And uh, they're, I said, they're just absolutely delicious. And she said, oh, well, that's um, uh, a yesterberry, hmm. is what they call it. And um, it's, it's a cross between a black currant and a gooseberry. And they, they just love them and make pies out of them. So I made a pie, absolutely delicious. And with the rest of them, uh, today I'm going to make them into jelly. So uh, here's, a, here's something that was brought over from Germany. And uh, here it is in my garden now. I can't believe it. Wow. Plants are so important to us. Yes, absolutely. Um, I I mentioned earlier when we started doing this about the uptick. I have seen an uptick in Japanese beetles. I'm wondering if the all that rain brought them back out, or it's just because the season has been moving along. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, but everybody that I talk to is having the has, same thing. Yeah, they have the same thing. So okay. it isn't just an isolated spot. That's for okay. sure. Yeah, I've just been <clears throat> picking them off like crazy, and and they're just. Yeah, they uh, put them in soapy water and and cursing them as I pick them off, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's really important to be deadheading your plants too, especially um your lilies. Now, these are the true lilies, not the day lilies, but the ones that come that you grow from a bulb and as soon as they get done blooming, cut that um the bloom, uh, the spent bloom, cut that off, as well as the little stem that it's on. Get that off, because that will not do anything for the plant. And uh, I wouldn't. I I would actually uh, do a little fertilizing now. With all that rain that we had, everything, you know, we know how the nitrogen, uh, how it doesn't stay put, how it goes through the soil. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think that it would be a good idea to do a little bit of that. And just now, the 1st of August, I wouldn't do it late into the, you know, like in September, but I, I would get busy, and if I was going to fertilize, I'd do that right now. Be sure you water it in really, really well. And uh, I would be sure and use uh, something that had less nitrogen and probably more phosphorus in it because uh, the phosphorus is what you get the fruit and the flowers uh, from that. You really, really need that for the plant. So um, that that would be a good thing to do now. I get a letter from my friend up in Roseau County, which is where um, I was born and raised. That's pretty far up north, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's close, right close to the Canadian border. Okay. And she said they haven't, and they have um, feeder cows, feeder cattle, mm-hmm. feeder beef, I guess they're called, and they haven't been able to get a crop I hate yet. They have had so much rain it's just it's unbelievable and she said they have an elk uh, a mother and a calf that's up in their they're close to their yard it's in the grove of trees by the house and they've also had problems with uh, bears coming around so um you know this weather um is making a difference all over and last um fall they had so much early snow that they weren't able to get crops out of the field until mm-hmm. after it froze so so they could get out there with equipment it's uh it's a tough time i think to be a farmer oh i think it's i think it's with with prices and just everything what's yep. going on now it's very very difficult and i haven't been to the farmers market yet this year have you and what have no, you noticed I, no i haven't but i know I, it's going on so i was just curious how things were looking for Folks. Yeah, it's it's always a good place to go get information and see how things are going. Uh, so far as tomatoes go, um, I just 
I just have the tomato berry that's bearing, uh, that's the little patio tomato, and, and that's doing well. And Oh, have uh, you had any tomatoes? I've been, get, I've been getting tomatoes off of mine now just within the last week, and they are so good right off the vine. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, first started with one, and I was selfish and ate that, and then we got two <laughs> more, and then shared that with Dave, and, and so now we have enough so that you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yes. But it is interesting that when people come over, and they see this shape of that strawberry tomato, it's very intriguing to them. They can't quite figure out what's going on. <clears throat> but it's, it, and I try to tell them, you know, this is delicious, too. Not only does it look pretty, but it's delicious. That's oh. a great combination of things, you know. Yeah, and my and, favorite thing, you know, that's one of the best things I've discovered about just doing experimenting with trying new things is that, that one I just on a whim bought one time I saw it and I'm like oh I should try this and and you and I and Harvey have all been sold on that so that's the kind of thing where just experimenting you know this year I tried something new I tried that Brocco Rab uh, R-A-B-E I think that's how you say it I hated it I absolutely hated it I thought I will never plant this again but I'm glad I tried it just to yeah yeah and I have the um, asparagus bean this year and I think it's okay but I think I like the regular string beans better. I may be harvesting at the wrong time. Um, hmm. Maybe I'm taking them when they're too skinny. I don't know. That, um, yesterday, I did a roast in the oven, and I put some in with the roast, and that was great. But when I just tried stir-frying them, I thought they were kind of el dante. Just, they stayed kind of... Hard. Well, do you know when I first started my bush beans this season, when they were smaller, I didn't care for them, but now that they've got a little more ripe and I cook them, they're better. So maybe, like you said, maybe it's a matter of letting them get a little more ripe or something at their peak. And, and if you try something new, maybe you're not quite sure, so you do have to experiment a little. Right. And talking about experimenting, um, a fellow gardener gave me an anise hyssop that is uh, chartreuse, lime-colored. You know, usually we see that in the garden, the native one, mm-hmm. as green leaves. And, of course, it has that purple flower on it, and all the bees just love it. But this one has the purple flower on it, and it is uh, this uh, chartreuse color, this light, limey green color, and it's very striking. I have it in with a, a tall begonia, which is uh, dark, dark, dark red, and then this lime. It's 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 very striking in a pot. Hmm. So I'm thinking I don't know if this one is hardy. If I would plant that in the soil, if it would uh, survive the winter, you know, like our native hyssop. I mean, that'll right. come up all over in your in your garden. But so I think I'm going to take and take some cuttings and uh, and and see how that turns out. And Karen, talking about cuttings, I told you before that my. Um, wonderful uh, hibiscus out front had been severed off at the bottom of the big branch as soon as it got buds on it and there was and it went out and then the branch was just kind of wilting is this your hardy hibiscus then yep okay the hardy hibiscus in the front yard okay and so i took it back and i thought okay well all right nothing ventured nothing veined i'm going to see if i put together a substance substance of maybe some soil and water, almost like it was growing in a water garden, and see if I can get it to root. And it rooted. Really? And I have, oh, wow. I, yeah, and that big, thick, you know, that yeah. 
that you know how big around that they're, is. They're, I mean, they're like the size of your finger around, or more yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and, and they're the texture is just really solid, hmm. and and got these two leaves on it. So then a couple mornings after I did that, I had another one that was cut off. I brought it back. I had that rooted, and then a third one was cut off. I so now. I haven't had any more cut off because there's only two two stalks left on that thing. But these three stalks, I, and I have them in the shade. I have them right uh, so that they shouldn't be in sunlight. I mean, they have to be shaded, and they love the humidity. When you're going to get things to root, you have to have good humidity, and we've had plenty of that. And so uh, the root hairs are very fine. Wonderful. But I'm very very encouraged by that and I, I never thought of doing that before well let me let me know how that works maybe i'll have to do that with some of the mine hey before i let you go we're almost out of time bar but we had a listener that texted me a question here i have a patch of asparagus and for some reason it turned out bitter and we could not eat it any idea why i wonder if it had something to do with the fact that it was so hot you know well now when how late do you I thought you only harvested asparagus just in the spring till you a do. You yeah do. so when do you, when's like the last date you would because obviously it would get bitter if it was now yeah. so yeah. how late does it usually last into well usually that with with the rhubarb it's about the same time it's July 4th they say and that's you know it's going to depend on a lot of things too it's going to depend on what the weather was like um, you know it, it it needs really to grow. And so that you can get nice big spears. I wonder if they were really small spears, you know, really thin. Uh, I wonder if she's cutting off the tops instead of leaving them up. Um, Some people will cut them back when they get done using them and keep cutting them back, whereas they need that full bushy top bottom gets stronger because that's what you're eating is that that part that comes off from the root right away in the spring so and so right now they look like small little fluffy evergreen trees is what they should look like you shouldn't have yeah, cut them off yep, that, okay that's exactly right yeah and then uh, for most people they leave them up all winter too because they do collect snow around them which is good for the to protect the root as well as to add moisture in there so she might want to m- might want to try that and I, I'm sure that it's it's not soil I'm sure it's it's sort of a, a gardening practice, or it's it was too little or too much rain. I would say too little rain and too much heat. But yeah, but you know, uh, you know that's a good they, point that you mentioned that though, Barb. I'm glad you mentioned not cutting them off too. And if they were harvesting them now, obviously it would be very yeah yeah not yeah good. taking them much much too late. They should be at least as big around as um, your your forefinger, at least that big around. Uh, you should be getting that every single summer. So in Germany, they heal them up, and so that they, when they grow, they're green or they're they're white. Really, it's like blanching in the sand. So um, it's it's very interesting. They're um, I think they're very anemic tasting. I've had them, and <laughs> I like our green. Um, they the white ones are just very. Tasteless to my uh, I've seen those sold in the store, and I was wondering if that was a product of that that they were bred that way. But maybe it was because of the, like you said, the hilling process. Yep, yep. And they use sand for that. Okay. Uh, to hill them up like that, yeah. And then they just reach down their hand and with their knife, and then they just slip them off at the bottom. You know, it's it's, it's an interesting thing. They even serve this type of uh, of asparagus on pizza. Oh wow! 
it's very it's very popular. I can't say what it's called in German, but it has a very interesting name, yeah. Very good. Well, we are out of time. Um, if you have any other questions, you can text them, and we can answer them next week yeah. for you. Uh, thank you so much, Barb. We appreciate you, and uh, I know you're going to have a great week gardening because the temps are down, the humidity's down. It should be awesome. Oh, thanks. And you too, Karen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is. 10.02 and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin online at